Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today we're here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And the now infamous Scott McConnell. He's always been infamous. Has been on. Yeah, he has been on. Now what have I done? What have I I done to make me infamous? Hold a record. No, he's like the third co-host of this podcast. He could be. (laughs) Pretty much. As of late, he is. No joke. He brings he brings the, the stats. Yeah, he like brings the stats. Data and the cool data. Th- and the cool thing about is it data or data in Canada? <laughs> I don't know. Is it data and data all across the states? Potato, potato. <laughs> okay, research on this. <laughs> we should. Your next research project, Scott. <laughs> no, the great thing about Scott is we as pastors love research, but most of the research we use is anecdotal. <laughs> the beautiful thing about Scott and Lifeway Research is it's not anecdotal, and he knows the difference between that, and he even knows what regression analysis means, which is a word that I've learned in the last few years. So thank you, Scott, for being on the podcast. Hey, glad to be back. All right. Well, today, we I mean, we have, we have talked over and over again about all these different research projects. Today, we're going to be talking about discipleship, close to my heart. All right. So the state of discipleship, what discipleship looks like. So, yeah, why don't we just get straight into it with the first question, Boom. which is, what is the state of discipleship in the church today? And, of course, that depends on the perspective you want to look at. <laughs> yeah. And so we think an important perspective on discipleship and the state of it today is, is Texas. The, the pastor's perspective. <laughs> what does Texas think about <laughs> discipleship? Is that all that matters? No, they, that's what they Actually, they would say we're not a state. We're a republic. Ah, uh, yes. Tangle on, Colonel. Good old Texas. What well, is having grown up in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, oh, we oh will. really? <laughs> yes. Pennsylvania is a Commonwealth. Yes, it is. Really? I grew up in a Commonwealth as well. Okay, Kentucky is also one of these we seven Commonwealths, and Canada is a part of the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth. So we have that in common. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> but what is okay, the state so of discipleship in the church? Yeah. All right, back to, back to the state. Anyway. Uh, we actually find that two-thirds of pastors are satisfied with the state of discipleship in their own church. So in the part that they can see, the part they can see best, they say they're satisfied. But the way we ask it is on a scale from strongly agree to strongly disagree. And it turns out that only 22% strongly agree. Okay. So, so less than a quarter of pastors are really, really, really satisfied yeah. with the state of discipleship, how things are going in terms of people following Christ more closely in their local congregation. Yeah. Okay, so this is interesting. Now, Todd made the clarification that this is American. So this, American. right, so we're actually going to go into the next question. We're going to, or in a few questions, we're going to talk about how the research has changed over the years. Uh, but when... The, the research is initially the transformational discipleship research. So we're going to get into all of that. But when, when I present on No Silver Bullets, right, because all, all the stuff that I wrote on No Silver Bullets was yeah. out of your research. Uh, one of the things I love asking, I love asking these questions. Okay, I'm like, okay, think about the most mature people in your church. And then people write it down. And then I ask them to, uh, to look at that list and be like, okay, how many of these did you, how many of these people did you win to Christ? Okay, number two. How many of them did you personally disciple? And number three, if you didn't, uh, how many of them were discipled within the ministries of your church? No matter how big the room is, it's usually only a handful, at least one person 
but usually it's like it's less than two percent of the people in the entire room will lift their hand for that and connect the dots yes yeah. so the question get up and leave <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know what this is way too convicting yes. for me I really need a snack right now. Yeah. So this is this is how I lead in one of the seminars I've given the most on this. And then I then say, okay, in light of that, let me ask you a few questions. If the most mature people in your church were not one to Christ in your church or under your pastorship of, you know, pastoral ministry of the church, and they weren't discipled under your, you know, what you're doing, how do you know that what you're doing actually works? Hmm. And then we start breaking it all down. Yeah with the content. So that, that is the reason I'm sharing that is because that is what I see here, right? If, if more than three quarters are saying, yes, I'm satisfied, but in reality, only 22% say they're strongly agreeing. I think people know that there's an issue, Yeah, but whether or not they're going to do something about it, maybe is the, is the challenge. And mm. I mean, one of the good things is more people are talking about discipleship the yeah. last few years, and thankfully, people like you writing on it, Daniel. Mm. And and so, you know, as people think about it, they're talking about it. I'm not, I'm not so sure that the conversation has matured a lot in yeah. terms of what we're doing about it. Hmm. Okay, so it's just that the talking has increased, but maybe the doing hasn't. Why do you think the doing it, it hasn't followed suit? You know, discipleship is hard. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's long term. Mm. It's it, it, it's personal. Uh, there's a lot of failures involved. Yeah, and uh, you know, most of the time, as leaders, we're looking for formulas and things that we can buy off the shelf. Yeah, the silver bullet. Silver. <laughs> this isn't that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Daniel, there are no silver yes, bullets. Yes, there are no silver bullets. So, and, and that leads to the next slide of this research. It's because quite compelling. It is. So why don't you share it with us and let's, let's talk about it. We asked pastors if they have an intentional plan for discipling individuals in their church. Drum roll. How many do you think say they have an intentional plan for developing, I'm sorry, discipling, wrong podcast, <laughs> discipling individuals? 83% of pastors. Bah. Okay, yeah, let's just let that soak in just a little bit. 83%. 83% say of church. they have an intentional plan for discipling individuals. Individuals. Let's go to the next slide. What do they actually mean by that, Scott, when they say intentional plan? Well, when, we, when we ask them what they're using uh, for spiritual development in their church, we see a lot of programs. We yep. see ongoing groups. Of course, that's that that that's definitely a helpful thing in the discipleship process. It can be almost it, it every can church actually be an intentional plan if it's the scope and sequence is designed for that. However, you're not certainly not guaranteed that. Hmm. But the second most popular thing that we see from nine out of ten pastors, you know, they're talking about their sermons. That's how we're getting it done. Uh, our weekly sermons. Discipleship in the church. is preaching. Is what. That it's, means it's that's, like that's at what the they're far saying. end of the chart, man. <laughs> okay, it is up there. It's the number two thing. Yeah. Okay. That's an intentional plan. Okay. So when it when when we talk about an intentional plan, or when we talk about a having a discipleship pathway in your church, obviously it's not just one thing, no. right? And some churches will think, oh yeah, no, we we disciple individuals because we have accountability groups. And there are some churches who think discipleship is small accountability or D groups, right? And that small triads. groups are not our triads, but small groups and Sunday school is not discipleship. There are some churches who think that, right? And others like this who say, no, 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 no. 
ongoing big class, Sunday school classes, is discipleship, as well as preaching, as well as women's groups and Bible studies and, and pastor-led teaching times. And actually another pastor-led teaching time on a Sunday or Wednesday yeah. evening. So what surprised me about this, right, because every single thing listed here in the research, yes, discipleship. it does contribute to people drawing near to the Lord and to pointing people to Christ. But what is not on this list is reading your Bible. <laughs> I'm like, like, okay, the question, what approaches does your church specifically use to disciple and encourage the spiritual development of adults in your congregation? Where in the world is reading the Bible? <laughs> and, and that's a different question. Okay. And, and, okay. The, and the typical pastor, you know, did indicate their church is doing six of these things. Okay. So there's okay. a lot of programming that goes on and and so it's not that they're not pulling levers. It's not like yeah, they're they're yeah. not trying. I, I I think our skepticism as we look at this is, okay, how much intentionality has really gone into how these are affecting individuals? Yes, because these are group efforts. Almost all these on the list are group efforts. Some of them smaller things, um, you, you know, like mentoring one on one, accountability. And some people would read that list and go, "Well, you're not doing discipleship if X is not on your list." Mm. Um, and 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 I don't I don't espouse to, to to that that framework. But at the same time, I do think you've got to look at an intentional framework that's helping individuals. Um, knowing that, yes, we've got to have some scope and sequence that makes sure over time they're getting the things they need from the word. But we also need to know that there are things in place that say, even though you've been hearing this holistic view of what's it, what, what God has for you in the walk, in his walk with yeah. him, what happens when you're in a different place? Yeah, yeah. No, that's really good. So that's that's just a brief look at the state of discipleship. Um, but if we if we go into the next question, which is the signposts, I mean, what would that be? Because and that's that's a little bit of a different language too, right? Yeah. Um, you, you know, as we think about discipleship, um, it, it, Scripture talks about our walk with Christ. Mm. And that image is one that we want to carry through in some of our language about discipleship. And so as we're on a path walking with Christ, um, there are certain indicators that we're either walking closely with them or we're not. Yeah. And so we refer to those as signposts. Yeah. And there are things that we'll, we'll continue to be you know, looking at, and, and we encourage people to intentionally look at those signposts and, and to see how close they are to things in scripture that would indicate how we should be walking with Christ. And, and the eight areas are uh, engaging the Bible, obeying God and denying self is the second one, serving God and others, sharing Christ, exercising faith, seeking God, building relationships, and living unashamed. Mm. As you can imagine, there can be a little bit of overlap in those. Uh, you know, it's hard to share Christ if you don't build relationships, even though it, it can happen. Um, you, you, if you're serving without building relationships, that doesn't that's not a real good balance. So, you know, there's some overlap between these. But uh, as the research has, has emerged through the years, uh, beginning with scripture study, uh, you know, these topics emerged. And then as the questions began to be asked of churchgoers, these eight patterns ha have persisted through the years. Uh, even as we tweak questions, we, 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 we continue to try to improve the, the tools. These patterns 
persist and 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 they they reflect the different ways that we're responding to Christ or or a little more resistant. Yeah, that's super helpful because if you think about the the history of this research, what was it, 2008? When Wagner did the longitudinal I mean, study, we honestly go back almost thirty years. Oh, uh, is it really? So, uh, you know, so so when he first began that doctoral work, yeah, um, you know that was that was before the two thousand eight study. Oh, okay. that was a nas- the first national testing yeah, of that okay. tool. But he developed it back thirty years ago. No kidding. <laughs> and and then you know other academic researchers used it. It was used in Master Life, which was a discipleship study that, that, that really? many people used. What? Uh, so then in 2008, for the first time, we did a, a national OG. survey. Yeah, no uh, kidding. Okay, so that's 20, and that was 2,500 Protestants over a year, right? That were measured, and then seven out of the eight is what came up. Yes, yes, and and so his book Shape of Faith to Come yeah. detailed a lot of that. Uh, we came back several years later and and surveyed in the U.S. and Canada, and uh, that's when we ended up with a lot of questions just sitting on the cutting room floor. Mm. And uh, and we, we kind of said, you know, there's a lot of these that kind of look a lot alike. And so we, we continued doing analysis, uh, factor analysis is what it's called, and we found another set of questions that actually hung together. Yeah. And... Uh, um, we're actually kind of morphing into question three here of, yeah. of what's changed with yeah, the tool. Yeah. But one of the biggest changes that happened with the transformational discipleship assessment was adding unashamed, uh, living unashamed yeah. as as one of the signposts. And 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 really that kind of shows where our culture is at today. Yeah. Where uh, in a post-Christian culture, suddenly it's not cool to be Christian. Yeah. And you actually have to think about, do I want to identify myself in this setting among these people as a follower of Christ? And, and scripture is very clear on that subject, uh, that if we deny Christ, he'll deny us before the Father. And so yeah. that's something that is not an option for us as Christians. And in the U.S., uh, for for much of our history, that that wasn't much of a question. We had a very Christian culture in, yeah. in, in many parts of the country. Um, and so it was easy to identify with Christ. Uh, not so much anymore. So that's that's become an important part of, of the picture. That's good. That's good. Yeah, because that 20, uh, the TDA research was 2011, was it? Um, so I don't have the year in front yeah, of me, but so I believe so. Around there. So that was what 28 global experts interviewed and 1,000 Protestant pastors and 4,000 laity, uh, 30% of which are from Canada. But yes. what I noticed about, so this, this, this is, I mean, I love this because you just, you guys just did the research again. Yes. Right. This last fall. And what I noticed is once again, the eight attributes or the eight signposts are the same. Yes. So, but I, but I see the last one has, uh, has been named differently. So it used to be being unashamed transparency. So what was the cause of that name shift? And is that, is, was there a big difference in the, in the research? There's still a, a small element of transparency in living unashamed, Okay, but we were something that we actually hoped for in 2011 actually worked this time. Mm. And more of the transparency questions actually fit in the building relationships. Oh, so, okay, yeah. you know, what we see biblically is that our, our relationships with other believers should be transparent. They should be places of accountability, places where we're investing in others spiritually. And, and a couple of those uh, just being open and honest type questions yeah. actually didn't work well there 
uh, in 2011. We, okay. we improved the wording and they're working in there today. Yeah. Um, there's still a little bit of an element of, are you talking about Christ with other Christians that's yeah. still in, in living unashamed? Uh, but most of living unashamed now is is very much identifying with Christ wherever we go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what, what do you, I mean, were you happy that the eight were reaffirmed? Did you think there was going to be massive changes? Um, yeah, again, these patterns have been there so long. We really yeah. didn't expect there to be yeah. big okay. swings, big okay. changes. Um, but, you know, we continue to try to improve things. So we tried new questions in each of the the, the eight signposts. Um, and uh, there were a couple spots where we intentionally did a little pruning. And, and the pruning we did were when we have questions that almost everybody, like 90% of, of, of respondents, um, are getting the right answer, that's really not that helpful. Yeah, you know, we're we're trying to say how can we improve? How yeah. how how can things? How can we be more like Christ? And if if people are saying, well, I already look like Christ, you know, that that that's not that helpful. Even though that may be a, a good question in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we pruned a couple of those questions out and and have have some other things that may not be quite as easy for us, but still are on topic, true true to scripture. Yeah, that's good. So what was most surprising to you about the research? I mean, we started off with some of us being surprised that that many people would say they have an intentional plan in place. But what are what were some of the other surprises that you would draw out of the research? On the, on the pastor side of things, one of the surprises that, that persists is we still have half of pastors indicating that they're not regularly evaluating the spiritual progress of, mm. of the folks they're serving. Mm. And uh, you know, th- there's a wide range of ways to do that. Uh, but, but to just be saying, nope, not doing it at all. Um, yeah. w- when that's really the goal, making disciples and, and it, it is our goal as, as churches, that's, that's the local church. Yeah. Um, and, and to not even kind of ha- have some kind of guide or measuring stick, you know, that's definitely a surprise for me. Yeah. What, why do you think they're not evaluating? Th- that's a good question. I, I, you know, there could be some fear that it might reflect on them as a leader <laughs> if, if the scores aren't good. That's interesting. So but, it's like, hey, guys, we're into an evaluation church-wide, you know, where we're at discipleship-wise. And if it comes back as immature or or low, it's whose fault is that? <laughs> but it, it, I, I it's kind of like, how yeah. is the pastor responsible for, you know, me not following Christ? You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. They, they can say all the right things and I still have a choice of whether or not I'm going to follow or not. Yeah, that's true. And, and so that, so I, I don't think pas- pastors and leaders should be, should be gun shy on that at all. Um, and, and it really is very helpful in trying to do your planning for, for sermon topics, planning for, uh, you know, addressing needs in the congregation in terms of, of church-wide events. Yeah. Um, and, and, and really just trying to, to make sure that, um, that, that really our ministry mirrors kind of what Jesus did naturally. You know, he had very different conversations with people because he knew what they needed. Yeah. And if we don't know what people need spiritually, how do we point them to the truth of God's word that actually applies to where they're at? That's right. That's right. Now, on the one hand, if you're if if you're in a discipleship relationship with someone, you can evaluate that, right? You yes. can help evaluate them. And what happens is for a lot of pastors who are leading other elders or deacons or in a small group, 
what happens is that is how they think the church is spiritually or the people who are vocal. Oh, this is what I heard. And, or you see a life change story and you're like, you know, you just kind of anecdotally think that's the entire church, but you have this huge segment of not only introverts, but others who are just not, they're, they're in other groups or they're not connected at all, yet they're a part of the church as well. And you just never hear about how they're doing. Right. So that's why evaluating the, I mean, did you in the research or in your conversations with all of your research hear about, I mean, what are different ways that churches are evaluating well? Um, It's been several years since we've asked that, but you know, oftentimes, you know, when they have enough leaders stepping into positions, that's a sign, you know, they take that as a sign of progress. Yeah. Um, You know, some people will do surveys, will, will, will have some kind of instrument that they measure. Um, but, but a lot of times it is more anecdotal Yeah, okay. and, and those stories are so important because, yeah. because those are the things we celebrate and what we celebrate communicates what matters mm. and discipleship matters, life change matters, mm-hmm. transformation matters. And so, uh, those anecdotes are incredibly important. They're just a poor measuring stick yeah. of, of where the body's at. Yeah. So have you seen, because this is, this is a, a, a research like this is a tool. Churches can, small groups can fill it out. Churches can do it as well. Like at, at what point or how frequent have you seen churches use this too as a measuring stick or, or as an evaluative tool? Uh, the, the most frequent, it would be, you know, a year apart. Okay. Um, honestly, more common would be a couple years apart. Okay. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, Given turnover within a church, yeah, uh, it, it's a very helpful tool to take a snapshot once a year. Yeah, um, it, it, in many respects, in in the course of twenty minutes, uh, somebody going through answering the questions, uh, you know, the topics are things you're going to see in your devotions. Yeah. They're things that are happening in your Bible studies, in your sermons. But it condenses it down, and in twenty minutes, it's like let's just do a quick look in the mirror. Yeah, and yeah. and that's what the individual can see. Uh, you know, uh, some measurements on that as they finish, but then church leaders can also see not name by name, but just totals for the congregation, how the congregation's doing. So if someone, I mean, I'm just looking up the the website right now. It's, what is it? Discipleship? Discipleshippathwayassessment.com. Yeah. So when you go to that website, so you're saying that I can, as an individual, do this myself. Yep. But also, if I do it within the context of my church, then the church also sees a snapshot. So they see a group report. Yeah. The beautiful thing about that is, I mean, I just honestly, Todd and I talk about data and we talk about measurement and, and I mean, there's just a ton of that. That's just so important. And if you want to know how to make the decisions that you need to make programming wise, even preaching wise, just having a regular snapshot. I mean, imagine if you had five years of this. Yeah. Right. Like I, I'm yeah. sure every pastor listening right now would it, like if, if we gave you five years of data on your church's spiritual health and how it's progressed year over year for the last five years. Yeah. I mean, what pastor would reject that? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it was just it would be such a eye opening picture beyond your own experience. Yet the only way we're going to be able to make data driven decisions like that. And obviously it's in conjunction. I mean, that's going to bring about, uh, it's going to give us insight into making the decisions, but we ultimately need to submit this to the Lord and pray for guidance through the Holy spirit. But it's good to have this information as well. 
right? But in order to get there, you actually have to do the work of doing the assessment. Absolutely. <laughs> but who likes doing assessments? <laughs> I do. Right? I mean, like, at the, okay, at Chick-fil-A, when right. I get that receipt and it says fill this out for a free right. Chick-fil-A sandwich and there's that incentive, I'll do it. But if I get an assessment in my email that says just fill it out and I don't get anything for it, right. I'm not going to do it because there's so many assessments. So I guess that's my question, right? I, I, It's so valuable, right, to make decisions, to understand the state of discipleship and spiritual maturity in your church. But how do you get your church to do it. Honestly, yeah. the best way, if, if you just email it, and, and we recommend emailing it, so that way everybody has an opportunity okay. to, to participate. You, you don't want to leave people out. Um, but the best way to get participation is actually through your groups. Oh, and to say, okay, hmm. okay mm-hmm. it's now available. But oh, by to, the, every, to everyone. To everyone. But, but by the way, in our group, we're going to talk about it next week. So do it before we get together oh, next week. Okay. So that way, when you come yeah. together as a group next week, just some highlight questions, and we'll be putting these on the DiscipleshipPathwayAssessment.com okay. website. I like but that. But just a discussion guide that right. says, you know, what what did you just feel the Holy Spirit kicking you in the rear as you took it? You know, was there just a question? Was there a t- right. one of the categories that really said, that's what I need to be working on? Yeah. And And maybe as a group, we need to pick one of these and just work on it together. Yeah. From a, um, uh, you know, I would think if a lot of the the, the pastors said, "Hey, I consider, um, I consider my preaching, you know, the number one intentional discipleship plan." How how does he take the results from this and then you know use those to intentionally develop his congregation? As you look across the eight signposts, you'll see scores for each one. And so when you see that your church is low in in a couple of those areas or the lowest couple areas, you're going to want to spend more time there and even look down at the individual questions uh, for your congregation. Which parts of those do we struggle with the most? And and the the instrument covers uh, beliefs, desires, and behaviors. So it may just we may be doing okay on a lot of the behaviors, the stuff everybody sees, um, but really we don't want to be there, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know the desires are missing. You, you know if we if we read a, a lot of the letters that Paul wrote, he, a lot of them he spent a lot of time on the motivation space, mm-hmm. and and you know that is a lot of our job as leaders is to motivate people to do yeah. what we know to do, and then where there's missing beliefs. Make sure they understand God's truth in that area. Um, hopefully, they they will come to believe the yeah. truth. Yeah, I love that. I mean, being able to do it through groups, having a discussion around that, there's that extra level of accountability, which is super helpful. Well, and as a pastor, you have to be comfortable enough with the feedback that you're going to get because it's not fun, especially if you consider your preaching to be the number one discipleship tool. Mm-hmm. And then you f- get the results and you see, oh, wow, this doesn't look so good. This is a bad reflection on me. Um, that's hard to that, that's hard to take in and hard to deal with and hard to call that out yep. um, to your church. And if you realize I just did a whole sermon series 
on yeah, the thing we're struggling right? with. Yeah. You know, you may have already done that. Yeah. And, and that's the reality. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things that continues to surprise me in this data is some of the things we've worked the hardest on in, in North American church continues to be low scoring. Like? Building relationships. Yeah. We've done so much work to try to say, you know, these great principles that have been there in Sunday school through the years, how can we make those contemporary? How can we make sure people understand the depth of what a small group can be? And, and even though all that work's gone into that the last couple of decades, we still see church after church after church struggling yeah. with building relationships. Hmm. I mean, that, it's a symptom of what's going on in our culture, but it's right there in the church. Yeah. Wow. So when we talk about next steps, right? And when we talk about how churches can use this research, obviously we can go to discipleshippathwayassessment.com, do that in your small group within your church or even individually just to check it out. So discipleshippathwayassessment.com. But the other thing that I often share, uh, even just when you look at the eight signposts, right? You look at the eight signposts. So if if you're a preacher, what I would encourage you to do is don't do this moving forward yet. Start with this last year's preaching calendar and actually on a sheet of paper on Excel, put the eight signposts up top. Uh, as as columns and on this on the top hand side and on the left hand side put down all your sermons that you've preached you know sermon series or by Sunday and by passage and by topic and what you can actually do is cross reference and see you know check each of the signposts that you covered in that message series and if you look at your last year and just do it evaluative you can actually see which ones that you're most naturally leaning toward. And if you have a comprehensive picture around that, uh, around your preaching calendar or not. And if you do that backwards, you can then do that forward as well as you get the results of this. It's an excellent framework. And I I think you're right. It can be used immediately just just looking backwards on, on how well those have been addressed. Yeah. Same with the Bible studies that you use as well. Right. You can do that with all the studies that are in your library or your new member class material or anything that you use. It's a really good framework for what spiritual maturity is, because a lot of times when we look at the way that we disciple, we disciple the way that we've been discipled if we even were discipled. So when we think about what spiritual maturity looks like and I were to ask, hey, give me a word, you know, what is a word that encapsulates spiritual maturity? And one person might say humility. Another person might say faithfulness. Another person might say uh, courage. Another, right? We all have these different first words that we go to, but that is actually what we say and what we believe right there. That actually shows us how we disciple and what we want to disciple people toward, which is great because often that is what has worked for us, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for someone else. So the beautiful thing about this research is it gives us a comprehensive picture for what maturity looks like beyond just our own personal experience, which then moves into, okay, then we need to make sure that there's curriculum in our library and in, you know, what we do for newcomers class that is beyond just what works for us. But by having a balanced set of Bible studies, uh, whether they be standalone Bible studies or honestly, LifeWays developed the Bible studies for life ongoing yeah. Bible studies to systematically be addressing these eight signposts. Yeah. And so as, 
as those Bible studies are selected ahead of time, um, and I use those with middle school. And, and so on a given month, I may look and see the symbols next to our lessons and go, oh, we're all in, in one signpost this oh, month. Oh, cool. But as we go to next month, it's moving. It's yeah. making sure that we're balanced over time, even as we're covering different topics uh, for life today and hitting different different books of the Bible. Yeah, that's good. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us, Scott. On Glad to be here. This segment of research, research in the five leadership questions Do podcast. Have music for research. <laughs> we we have it for book breakdowns. I know we should have it. For Would research. it be classical? Like kind of, I'm yes. thinking like the like Spurgeon, the Spurgeon podcast you do. Oh yeah. It's kind of yes. classical music going it's, on. No, we need a good guitar. Very, we need a good uh, guitar. Dynamic. Guitar. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Are you thinking like classical guitar? Classic rock. Yeah. Oh, classic oh, rock. no. Yes. Or maybe jazz. Yeah. Just when you have a lot of numbers to churn through, yeah. you got to have a driving beat to get I you know, through. I okay, let's just go EDM. I think it's like let's mo- just go EDM. I think it's Mozart. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I'm there hey, now. Hey, you could do classical EDM. Classical EDM? <laughs> yes. Mix it all up. I'm going seasons. to yeah. find some music that will be right in there. All right. Well, be sure to check out all the other discipleship, oh, not discipleship, all the other research <laughs> episodes that we've done with Scott in the back catalog of the podcast. And also check out the Ask Me Anything podcast as well with J.D. Greer. He, on that, uh, very much like the New Churches one, will a- answer a question each episode that has been submitted in and, and that's super relevant for your church. So just look up Ask Me Anything on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. We'll catch you guys next time.